Hello, I am Teresa, a lover of all things birth, and this is a space to come together and hear the most beautiful love stories surrounding birth. A birth story is as healing to tell as it is encouraging to hear. Come along with me to hear empowering birth journeys full of strength, vulnerability, love, and maybe a little meconium. This is Birth Addict. Welcome back, Birth Addicts. Today we have Missy on, who is a family medicine physician, and she chose to have a home birth. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this birth story. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Thank you, Missy, so much for coming on Birth Addict today to tell your birth story. Can you start by giving us a little introduction and telling us who you are? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Missy. I live in Denver with my husband, Joe. Um, My sister actually lives with us. Her name is Ellie. She lives in our basement, which is just the best, as you'll hear later. Um, And then we have a four-month-old now. His name is August, and he goes by Gus. And he's just the best. Um, We, just a little about us, we live um, in Metro Denver, but we kind of have a tiny, what I call an urban farm. So um, we have our dog scouts and then chickens and a tortoise that lives in our backyard named Wasabi. We have her half of the year. And then before I was pregnant, we um, fostered puppies, which was just the best. Um, and then, unfortunately, when I got pregnant, Scout had some behavior issues with the puppies, so we had to stop doing that. But I'm a huge animal lover, and I'm also a family medicine physician, so I um, practice what I call full-spectrum family medicine, meaning um, I work in the hospital taking care of adults. I work in the outpatient setting um, at a clinic, and then I also practice obstetrics and take care of newborns after they're born. So. Um, taking care of the dyad, which is the best. Um, I would say my favorite, one of my favorite things about being a family med physician and being so passionate about birth and holistic birth is that I get to teach medical students and residents about informed consent and autonomy in birth, which I think is so important. And I don't think they get a ton of education about that. So I feel like it, it's just a really cool space to be in. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so fulfilling. I did a fellowship after my family medicine residency, um, basically in like low risk obstetrics. So I trained with midwives, nurse midwives at my hospital. Um, and they, I just got to learn from so much from them about the midwifery model of care and holistic care and um, really applied it, apply it now to my family medicine practice. And um, it totally changed the way I view obstetrics and kind of, it will, it will turn into part of my birth story as well. So yeah, I'm sure it will. And I, that's why I'm so excited to have you on just to hear your background and your education and your experience and how that plays into your decision-making and your birth and all that kind of stuff. So I'm super excited to have you on. I think we should go ahead and get into it. And how did you find out you're pregnant? My husband is very, like, he has to think about every decision, very, like, logical, analytical, and I'm definitely the other side of the spectrum, like, emotional, spontaneous, um, (laughs) kind of, (laughs) I'm always, like, pushing the edge and the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so I always said, like, we didn't have to be married to have kids. I just, I've always wanted kids. I'm very much, like, the a caretaker, maternal, um, nurturer type. I have two younger siblings. And so, um, I've wanted 
babies for a long time. So finally, <laughs> we did everything in a row. We like, I finished my residency, did my fellowship. We bought a house. Um, I guess we got scouts somewhere in there. Got engaged before that, you know, um, and then got married and we kind of had said like, okay, we'll wait a year after we're married to start trying. Although I would have probably already have had a child by then. Um, so at the year mark, I was like ready. I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, what's it called? The sperm needs egg plan. I don't think so. No, no one should actually look this up. I'm just like a really crazy type A personality. And so somehow I found this. So basically you, well, I had always done fertility awareness, so I checked my cycle anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you start cycle day one and then cycle day eight, I believe you um, start doing ovulation tests. I think it's cycle day eight or ten. And then you start doing them every day, and then, like, certain day you start having intercourse every other day, um, and it's just, like, a very specific method, and they say, like, this is your best chance to get pregnant. Oh, okay. 5% chance. So, <laughs> we did that. I think my husband was a little, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> but I was just very ready, um, and... I remember I I was like I didn't want to test too early, so I started using my like ovulation test to I think I started like eight days past ovulation just to like see if the line was getting darker because um, your HCG has overlap with LH, so you can test darker on an LH test. Oh, okay. So I know I started like day eight past ovulation, and I was like, ooh, the line is kind of dark on my ovulation test, but I still didn't. I waited until then. 10 days past ovulation and I took the I had just one of the like early response tests um and I took the test set it down in the bathroom left and I had seen something somewhere where a person said like you take a video of yourself finding out like you're pregnant because that's just something you want to have and I'm so glad I did that so I like pulled the test out of the cabinet and my, I like still, I have a video, so I've watched it a bunch of times, and my face just like drops. I was super excited. Just because, I don't know, I always kind of thought that it would take a while. My mom said the same thing. She felt like it was going to take her a while, too. She got pregnant her first time. She tried for all three of us, so wow. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I was just like over the moon happy. I immediately called my sister, who at this point was living in Michigan, where we're from, and she like, wasn't answering, and I ended up texting her, code blue, like, you have to FaceTime me, because I had a digital test, and so I did the digital with her on the phone, and it said yes, and I was just like, oh, oh. Felt, felt super lucky to get pregnant on her first one trying, and just um, so ready, so... I had already, being the type of person I am, I had already planned out how I was going to tell my husband. So I had like this little, we're um, Michigan band, so I had a little Michigan onesie. And it was the, it was a Saturday, so it was the day of the Michigan Rutgers game last year. Aww. And I set it I like yelled, we usually watch TV on our first floor, but I set it all up in the basement and yelled down like, come watch the game with me down here. And I had like a, a little board set up that said, newest Michigan fan coming June 2022. And oh. I was super excited. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like such a good start to the pregnancy and um that's how I told him 
That is so cute and so exciting. I love the whole story. Um, did you know then right away where you wanted to receive your care for your pregnancy? So as I was saying, when I was telling you about me, I um, did the fellowship with the nurse midwives at my hospital. And so I'm friends with almost all of them. Um, and had always thought like, yeah, I'll see them for my care. I love them. I definitely, I knew I wanted to see midwives for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, well, backing up a little bit, I the I practice obstetrics, so I have access to a lot of OB care. So I did like get myself free DNA done at my clinic at nine weeks, and I did get an early ultrasound at like seven weeks, which was just the best. Like now looking back, now that I've been you know, I'm in the home birth community, I would say I probably wouldn't do that again. But it was so cool to see like just this tiny little gummy bear with a heartbeat at seven weeks. And I think it made it really real for my husband too. So yeah, that was really amazing. But I did myself three at nine weeks and we ended up finding out the sex at 10 weeks, which is really crazy. Um, I, <laughs> I always thought I wanted to do a surprise. I was like, I'm going to definitely do a surprise. And then I wanted to do the cell free for the genetic reasons. And, um, I was like, yeah, there's no way I can't not look at this. <laughs> and I was 100% sure we were having a girl. I have no idea why. I was, like, so sure of that. But um, we opened the email uh, on the couch late one night, and I just, like, could not believe it. I think I just said, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, over and over again. And it took, like, probably 24 hours for me to get used to that we were going to have a boy. And after that, I was just, like, so excited. But... Yeah. We decided not to tell anyone, which was, it's not a smart decision. It's because it's so annoying. Like, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, do you know what you're having? And you're like, yeah, but we're not telling anyone. So next time we'll just do a full surprise. So um, you didn't tell anybody the whole time? No. Although, yeah, we had to tell my sister because she ended up moving in with us like halfway through the pregnancy. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was too hard to keep it from her. So she found out, but... Um, yeah, we somehow kept that one in, which was, I'm surprised that happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, I found out that it was a boy around 10 weeks and then I bought like a foam Doppler. I, I mean, it was fine for me, but I don't, I definitely don't necessarily advise that. Yeah. Um, but I ended up finding his heartbeat myself around nine weeks, which was so oh, cool and yeah. amazing and yeah, just really fun. Um, so around, I think my first, my new OB visit was at 11 weeks, uh, with the midwives and was with my very good friend who I love and I'm super comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I showed up to the appointment. I think we were kind of like rushing and there's, you know, there's like a certain amount of adrenaline associated with like, oh my God, this is my first baby yeah. and my first appointment. Um, so I was definitely really excited and we went in and sat down, like, I checked in, sat down, and they took my blood pressure, and it was high, and I was like, oh, that's weird, because my whole life, I mean, I'm very healthy, you know, medical problems, always had low blood pressure, mm-hmm. um, but I was just like, oh, I must just be, like, amped up, yeah. um, and my friend was like, oh, what's that about? <laughs> I don't know, that's, and I've never had high blood pressure before, so she was like, okay, well, we should probably get preeclampsia labs, because you have an elevated blood pressure and, you know, you can ch- do a home log. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this yeah. is not... Immediately, it just felt like, 
what is going on. Yeah. And, not, and no fault of hers. It's just like that's the medical model. And mm-hmm. even when you see nurse midwives in the hospital, they, you know, follow the medical model. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was all understandable. So we left that appointment and I, in the car, I just remember being like so sad. I, I may have been crying. I just felt like, oh, I've already had this like potential diagnosis attached to me and I know firsthand what like the full cascade of interventions that can happen Mm -hmm. um and so came home and immediately like got a blood pressure cuff um off of Amazon and started checking and I was like consistently 90s to 100s over 60s and so that's called white co-hypertension basically where when Mm -hmm. you go to the doctor's office you have elevated blood pressure and when you're at home it's normal. Yeah. Um, and so I started talking. I have one really, really close, um, like mentor and friend in that group. And she um, is very familiar with the home birth scene. And I remember her saying like, Missy, you should have a home birth. And I was like, Oh, I can't do that. It's my first baby. Like there's no way. <laughs> um, and so started looking at more options and talking to more midwives and kind of just ended up coming to the conclusion that like I really just could not birth in the hospital like I I foresaw how it would go with the blood pressure and I you know at first my husband didn't really understand because he's not in the medical world but once I explained it to him he was like okay yes I see what you're saying like you're gonna have to be continuously monitored because Mm -hmm. your blood pressure's high they may try to induce you um you know, like they may try to falsely treat a blood pressure, all of these things that were really scary for me. Mm-hmm. So we ended up kind of looking at birth center versus home birth. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, for various reasons, I think we have this like false, which I think this happens to a lot of people. You have this false security in the birth center being like, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like a medical-ish place, yeah. and somehow you think like they may have more options for resuscitation or medicine or things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and we, my dog Scout is a guard dog, so uh, she is not good with people coming into our home. So that was like a little hard for me to imagine. Mm. And just like thinking about a home birth, you know, when you don't know as much about it, it seems a little daunting. Oh so, yeah, yeah, it was just like oh, I don't know if we can do it, but I kind of want to. So I think initially I did email a few home birth midwives, but mm-hmm. for various reasons, like they weren't available or I didn't get a response. Um, so I ended up doing a Zoom me angry with a local birth center and it seemed good. And I emailed kind of back and forth with the medical, their medical director, I guess it would be. Um, and she was like, yeah, we can work with white co-hypertension. Um, but it, I, I remember now like reading the emails and thinking, Ooh, this seems like it might not totally work out, but we'll see. Uh, so I showed up, we did the zoom me and greet around 20 weeks, I think. And I eventually did my first new OB there around 23 weeks. And you know, although it was like a pretty building and really like everyone was super nice, um, it was still, it still felt medical to me. And I think I wasn't anticipating that. Like I was hoping to go there and just feel like super at home. And, um, so they agreed to take my blood pressure after the appointment. So we did this whole like hour long appointment, which was very similar to my first like 11 week appointment at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then they come to take my blood pressure and it 
was high. Like, I don't even think they told me what it was. Uh, they try, I tried to, like, meditate and, like, do it. They tried to recheck them multiple times, which was sweet of them. And um, they, like, put me in a birth room to, like, lay down. It was a whole thing. Oh. And I think just each initial t- recheck, which anyone with hypertension knows, like, mm-hmm. it, it's all adrenaline. So each recheck, I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to be able to birth here. Like, mm-hmm. This is terrible. And I just started spiraling. Yeah. And so eventually the the nurse midwife, like, director came in and just, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> we can't have, like you're risking out oh no <laughs> but they're great at the hospital like I'm sure you'll love it and I was just like sobbing my husband wasn't with me for the appointment mm-hmm. um and I, I don't think she realized I was a physician and like work at that hospital and I was like I know they're great it's just like not what I envisioned for myself yeah. um and so I left the appointment cried in my car for a while drove home and I remember that whole night, like, I, I called one of my colleagues who's um, very crunchy like me and just talked it through, and I just felt so sad and down about it, and it just felt sort of like a rock bottom because I felt so helpless. I was like, yeah. I just want to not be in the hospital for my birth. It doesn't feel right. My intuition was telling me it wasn't right, but I didn't know what else I could do because yeah. I felt like now having this like potential diagnosis would risk me out of a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked myself up the next day and decided to email a few more home birth midwives just to see if I could do it. And a few, I think it was like three I emailed and one or two responded and said they couldn't, they didn't have availability. It wasn't even like a risk out situation. Um, and then my, my midwife who I gave birth with, um, I had actually crazy enough emailed her initially and never got a response. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Hmm. Um, and then I decided to email again just because I hadn't gotten a response and she, um, responded within like 30 minutes. Oh, and I was like, I'm so sorry, I had an elective surgery, and I totally missed your email. And I actually looked back recently at, like, our conversation, our initial conversation was just, like, I mean, she's a true angel, and she was Aww. just so supportive. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so hard. Um, that's not a risk-out situation for me as long as you're, you know, you're keeping a log and your blood pressures are normal. Um, and I just immediately, like, felt her trust and support, and, God, it makes me emotional. She just, um, right off the bat, was amazing, um, and we talked, she, for whatever reason, we couldn't meet again until, or do our, like, intake consult situation until I was, like, 28 weeks, I think. Okay. So, right away, she was like, okay, take this tincture, do this, start making a food log to make sure you're getting enough protein, and... Um, immediately I was like yes this is it like she's looking at me from a holistic perspective she's not just like seeing a number Mm -hmm. um so that was so great I did do a little bit of like tandem care initially so I still saw the I actually switched groups within the hospital so the first group I went to doesn't do water births but the um, a different midwife group in the same hospital does do waterverse. So oh, really? I saw them for my yeah. Oh, that's so they're, cool. They're really great. Um, I saw them for my twenty-eight week appointment, and oh, I guess moving back one week. So when I when I was twenty-seven weeks, um, the morning of my birthday, I woke up to a phone call 
um, from my best friend's husband letting me know that she had a tragic accident and she, um, and she lives, she lived in Portland and she, um, probably wasn't going to make it. Oh, wow. So that was like a huge, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like crazy, crazy. I, I still haven't fully processed it. Um, wow. so this was kind of, I had already started working with Catherine sort of, but I was still seeing the midwife group. Uh-huh. So we flew out immediately and, um, she ended up passing away the next day. And, um, yeah, it's it just, I, I feel like I have to mention it because it's a huge part of my life. And, uh-huh. um, August is named after her. So her, her name was Kate and his middle name is Kate, C-A-D-E. Oh. And, um, during that, we, my husband and I went, actually went to their house while her husband was at the hospital and the rest of the family was at the hospital and um, kind of cleaned up the house and got to go through some stuff just to, like, make it nicer when her husband came back. And I took August around the house and just kind of, like, got to tell him all about her. And it was, it really, I needed that. Um, and... I, I didn't get to go in and see her in the hospital because of COVID restrictions, but I did get to FaceTime her and it was really important for me to tell her that I was having a boy because she like, I, I got to tell her I was pregnant at five weeks because she was visiting. So it was like super early and the whole time she was like, you're having a boy and you're having a boy. And I, I think I probably like smiled or something, but I never, I we were keeping a surprise. So I never told her. So I did get to, like, tell her that before she passed away. And, yeah, so that kind of sets the stage for, like, me going to my 28-week appointment Mm -hmm. with the midwives, feeling just super emotional and dysregulated on multiple fronts. And, of course, went, and my blood pressure was high. Yeah. And, you know, the midwife I saw, I did, we told them what was going on, but... And she did her best, but it was just such a negative appointment. Like, I got, I did my routine blood work there, which was good because I didn't have to pay for it. But um, at the end of the appointment, I remember just saying, and my husband had already been, like, advocating for me during this appointment because she kind of said, like, you know, if you were X number of weeks, we would have to send you to the OB emergency room and, like, oh. talk about an induction. And I was just like, oh, my God, I need to get out of here. But I said... I'm having, like, a dream pregnancy because I really did. It was such a smooth, amazing pregnancy, but my prenatal care experience has been horrible, and it, yeah. it's not anyone's fault. It's just the medical model is not built for healthy people that have a situation like this yeah. and really want to have a low intervention pregnancy and birth, mm-hmm. you know. So that was kind of that was kind of it. That was my last appointment ever at the hospital, thank goodness. Wow. Um, and then... And at all my labs, everything was normal. Like, they kept mm-hmm. running great MCL labs and gestational diabetes and all that stuff. It was all normal. Yeah. Um, so my appointment with my midwife was the following week on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, we drew, it was just at her house, as numbers of people know. Yeah. Um, and she spent, like, two hours with us. Wow. Or something like that. And, um, um, I mean, immediately I was like, yes this is it, like, please, I hope she'll take me, and, you know, she had serious questions about, like, why do you want to have a home birth, um, is this the right fit for you, I think, you know, her trust 
in me was maybe more than the average client just because I am a physician and I know that like my blood pressure reads are accurate and I have this huge log of all of my like super like very normal blood pressures. Yeah. Um, and she tests urine at every appointment, so she could check for like protein and all yeah. like some markers of preeclampsia too, outside of symptoms. Um, so she agreed to take me as a client, and the rest was just like beautiful. Every appointment we left, look, Joe and I would look at each other and just say like, I can't believe we found her. This is this is the best. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything major before my labor I would say like um I really focused so I did um therapy even before we lost Kate just to to really try and work on the right white coat hypertension Mm um I think it was like semi-helpful and really trying to focus on like my nervous system regulation which is hard to do when you're pregnant I feel like it's something I wish I would have worked on far before I was pregnant but I did therapy and then I started hypnobabies around I think 32 weeks okay and that was awesome yeah I loved it I spoiler did not use it in my labor but I that like hour or so that I was doing the hypnosis each day I just felt so calm Mm -hmm. and like peaceful and it really helped me a lot I continue to use self-hypnosis so I, I think it was one of the best things I did for myself during my pregnancy. Oh, I did good. start EMDR. I do have a history of some trauma, so I started EMDR with my therapist. Okay. I think I was around 30 weeks. And August was breach. Like, oh. you know, having an access to an ultrasound is not good, but I was <laughs> checking myself too often to see what his position was. And finally, my midwife was like, you gotta stop doing that. <laughs> but uh, I think around 32, maybe even 34 weeks, he was still breach, and my midwife felt like maybe I couldn't, like doing the EMDR was bringing up too much trauma, hmm. and she had heard that potentially that could like cause baby to not get in the right position, so I did stop doing EMDR, but it is okay to do in pregnancy. Okay. Um, and then I'm like an avid Peloton person, so okay. she's like, I, I've had a lot of cyclists as clients, and I've noticed that sometimes they have reach babies later on so oh. um she advised like to really chill out on the peloton which was sad for me but he did end up flipping I mean it's very normal to have a breech position at that gestational age but obviously when you're planning a home birth it's a little bit more alarming so yeah um I chilled out on the peloton and he ended up flipping around I think 34 or 35 weeks oh nice but that was good. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a chiropractor, um, which I definitely think helped. I did some pelvic floor PT. Um, so all those things, just I think just taking care of myself was contributed to having a much better prenatal care experience later in my pregnancy, yeah. on top of just having like the most amazing midwife. Um, and then books-wise, I loved um, Ina May's Guided Childbirth, which I know like a lot of homework people have read and then um mom and natural i actually really liked her book um we read that and we also did her like child birth course oh, sure. um i think we missed like the last two lessons but i i really enjoyed that i thought it was nice for it's kind of middle of the road like not specific to home birth but also would prepare you if you needed to transfer to the hospital okay. so yeah that was really helpful for us um, and then the first 40 days book, um, 
which I know a lot of people have read too. I ended up, my parents stayed the month after he was born, so I like sent a copy to my mom. Oh, <laughs> please start making me. That's that so was her postpartum, and she was so sweet and did. And um, so those were my main like books and education sources, I would say, on top of having an amazing midwife. And we, we thought about a doula, our birth photographer mm-hmm. is a doula and so I was considering that but after talking to my midwife she was like you know that's really what I'm here for like you in a homer space when you align so closely with your midwife um you don't necessarily like need a doula if you're not sure and for me personally I know like when I'm sick or not feeling well I don't really like to be touched yeah. I kind of just go inward and so I felt like those two things combined um we decided to not have a doula so we had my midwife, um, her assistant, mm-hmm. and then our birth photographer, my sister, and my husband. Yeah. Um, so that was our birth team, and it felt very like intentional. And I didn't want a ton of people there because I was worried about having like all eyes on me. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted a few people there to support me in different roles. So yeah, and it was just a really amazing, easy pregnancy, and the prenatal care experience got so much better once I really figured out um, what, where I was meant to be, who I was meant to be with, and followed my intuition. Yes, that's so amazing that you found her. And that connection with your provider, with your birth, is so important, I feel like, so I'm so happy when I hear that. Yeah. yeah, just going to her home and not feeling like it was a medical office made mm-hmm. such a big, like, incredible difference for me. Yeah, oh, amazing. Okay, well, I'm ready to get into this birth story. So how did okay. you go into labor and maybe what were those last few days or whatever like? So I stopped. I didn't have anything scheduled for, like, being in the hospital or clinic, I think, around 38 weeks. Okay. Which, like, looking back, I don't know if I would do that again. <laughs> but I still had some meetings and, like, email on my inbox and things like that. Um, but I do think just being – I'm a very, like, I think through things a lot, like I said, sort of type A. And it gave me a lot of time to think, and I started to have – I'm only, like, talking about this because I think it's pretty common, and I want other people to know that it's normal. So I started to have some pretty significant, like, anxiety bordering on panic about what if – my what if I couldn't have a home birth like Mm -hmm. what if something went wrong or I had to transfer Mm -hmm. and my midwife which was good that she did we started talking about these things around 36 weeks so I was really thinking through them I wasn't at all panicked about like anything going wrong at the home birth I was just panicked that I wouldn't be able to have a home birth (laughs) um and so yeah I just really I don't think I did a great job but I really tried to um, find ways to relax. We went on a lot of walks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taking some tinctures and um, talking to my therapist and just really trying to know that everything was going to work out the way that it should, no matter what the outcome was. And like I did everything I possibly could to have a low intervention birth, you know? Yeah. So um, right around, I think it was at my 39 week appointment was on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and, um, backstory, my sister-in-law was getting married on, um, June, let's see, June 11th, June 12th. So June 11th. So, um, 
that would be like a week after my guest date. Okay. So there was that like kind of looming in terms of I definitely wasn't going to go, but mm. we really wanted Joe to be able to go. They're super close. The wedding was in Michigan. Oh, okay. And so that was kind of looming over me. So we talked about that with my midwife at the 39 week appointment and I was definitely like somewhat focused on it. Um, but she just said, and also focused on like, you know, towards the end of your pregnancy, everyone's texting you like, yeah. So are you still pregnant? Like what's going on? And that, that was kind of a lot for me. Like I kind of joked about turning my phone off. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt uh, like there was a lot of eyes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was thinking a lot about that. She recommended, why don't you guys plan some dates or, um, just do some things to distract yourself. So on the way home from that appointment on Tuesday, John and I were like, okay, let's go out. Let's do this for a dinner. Like I'll book a massage, just like making some, thinking of some ideas to distract and try to relax. Um, so that night everything seemed normal I was definitely thinking a little bit more about like the logistics of the wedding and things like that so I was having trouble falling asleep mm-hmm. which was very unusual I like for some reason slept great during my pregnancy uh-huh. which is not I usually have insomnia so it's very weird <laughs> um, I was like the opposite normal. so I had trouble falling asleep I remember I think I finally fell asleep around like midnight mm-hmm. 12 30 um, and then I usually woke up every night to go to the bathroom, but this night Joe woke up at like, I think it was 3.50 in the morning and he happened to like knock over a Yeti water bottle. So I like sprung awake and I went to the bathroom first. And when I went to the bathroom, I, when I sat on the toilet, I just had this really intense like pressure feeling, which was very different. I definitely had like some sort like, you know, you feel the baby dropping as mm-hmm. like the end of your pregnancy goes on. And this was different. It was like a very sudden boom pressure. And I was like, oh, that was weird. I don't know what that was. So went back to bed and I had been putting in um, evening primrose oil capsules, I think since like 35 weeks, somewhere around there. Um, I went to bed, sat down on the bed and felt like a pop situation. And I was like, oh, maybe my capsule just like broke open. That's weird. And so, like sat up and saw a big puddle underneath me and then there was like a blood smear on my sheets and I immediately stood up and it was just like the movie's leaking fluid which I never thought would happen to me interesting so I'm like there's fluid all over the floor I for some reason can't even think to like put on a pad or put on adult underwear or adult diapers uh. all the things and my dog is like just like staring at us wagging her tail about to lick up the amniotic fluid it's the whole scene and I, Joe was in the bathroom at this point and I was like Joe oh my god I just kept saying like oh my god oh my god over and over and he ended up coming in and saw what was going on and he also was like oh my gosh I can't believe this is happening I think he suggested that we eat ice cream because he was just like in shock and what else does someone do but eat ice cream yeah so <laughs> It took me probably like an, a half hour to process and luckily the fluid was clear and everything like seemed good there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know from just from experience that, you know, your water could break and it could take a while for contractions yeah. to start. And so, and I was GBS negative, so I felt pretty good about just like chilling out. I didn't call my midwife or anything. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, I know what, I know she would tell me to try and sleep. So yeah. laid down in bed, we were like cuddling and there, I was just like, there was no way I was going to sleep. I have no idea how anyone could sleep 
I think we laid there for a few hours and then finally I decided to get up. And during that time of bed, I started to notice like very, very mild contractions, okay. but nothing major. And they were like barely noticeable, mm-hmm. probably like five to seven minutes apart. I don't know that I actually like timed them, but I, I felt them. Um, so I felt really reassured by that because I was like, okay, something's happening. This is great. Yeah. Um, so I had this whole list in my phone of things I wanted to do while I was in labor, which included like bake sourdough bread and like go for a walk, go to the store, make a charcuterie board for my midwife. Oh. <laughs> it was a long list. I thought I was going to be in labor forever. And like, I don't know. I thought I was going to have a super long early labor, I guess. And then, so I... I didn't get to do any of that, but Joe decided to go run some errands so that we could have food for them. I really wanted to have champagne after I gave yeah. birth, which didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we had the next day, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think he, like, walked the dog and things like that. So I was just home laboring. It was really chill and relaxed. I was just, like, walking around the house. Um, I think I got the birth ball out at some, or the birth ball, the exercise ball out at some point. I was kind of swaying with that. Um, and finally called my midwife around 10 a.m. So okay. I had about six hours and just let her know that my water had broken, everything was good, it was clear. Um, I was already like checking Doppler just to make, Doptones just to make sure everything was good with baby and yeah. checking my blood pressure, which was so good. Nice. Um, and so she felt reassured by that and just planned to check in in about like two to four hours, I think it was. Uh-huh. Um, so during that time, Joe, I wanted him to make kanji from the first 40 days left. So he was sending that. And I very specifically remember being in the kitchen and he was like, you want to chop some sweet potatoes? And he handed me a bunch of sweet potatoes and I would be like chopping them and then having contractions <laughs> and like kept doing that. So it was, I think that just like is, you know, so telling of home birth, like mm-hmm. it's so comfortable and you're yeah. just kind of doing things you would normally do, but yeah. having contractions in between, which just makes it such a different experience in my opinion. Yeah. So somewhere in there, I tried, I laid down on the bed and I tried to do start hypnobaby. So mm-hmm. you like do the, put yourself into hypnosis mm-hmm. and there was just no way. I was like, oh, this is not going to work for me, but that's okay because yeah. it was it was really helpful during my pregnancy and I'm still so glad I did it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, maybe next time, but it was not, it was not the vibe for me this birth. So, um, eventually I, I think I got in the shower. I tried to get into our bathtub because I love water. I knew I wanted to have a water birth, but mm-hmm. we hadn't set up the pool yet and it was super uncomfortable. I, I think just being on my back was like not right for me and so yeah. I immediately got out and didn't use the tub at all which I had really envisioned using our bathtub for a while yeah. but um that was fine and then my sister was actually working that day so we had texted her to let her know but her role one of her roles was to take my dog to my cousin's house because okay. we could oh. not have my dog here with all these people coming over <laughs> so I remember um Right around, I think, 6.30, she got home, and she was like, oh, can I just shower before I take her to her cousin's? And I was like, no, you got to Like, I think that's when I really started, my labor started ramping up and being more active because I felt like, ooh, no, I think you need to take Scout now to mm-hmm. my cousin's. 
Um, so she did that, which was great. And we, I think Joe started hearing me be more vocal. I was in the bathroom. I found a really like comfortable um, place to kind of lean against during um, contraction. And I used, which was so funny, I had no idea I would do this, but I had asked him, like, do you have any combs? Because I didn't have any, but I had seen this on YouTube, and yeah. he found two hair combs, and I was squeezing those during contractions, and yeah. I loved it. Like, I, I can't say enough good things about the labor combs. Ah. So I, I found a position where I could, like, lean and squeeze those and sway back and forth and mm-hmm. vocalize, and all of those things were just so helpful for me and really, like... I remember when we called my midwife, he, Joe was actually timing the contractions, which I didn't know because I think he was starting to feel like, ooh, our midwife should come, but yeah. I wasn't saying that. And he was like, miss, you only have 90 seconds in between these contractions, and they're like a minute and a half long. And I was like, oh. But they really just weren't, like, painful. Yeah. They were intense for sure, but they, they weren't painful. And so it was kind of, we kept checking in, like, I think we checked in at 7 p.m. And she could, I think she, on the phone, she was like, okay, yeah, I think I need to head over. But I was still a little like, I think you could wait. So <laughs> she just said, I'll, I'll take my time. Like, I'll shower. I'm not going to rush over, but I'll get there. Oh, my god. So um, she came around 9.30. Um, and her and my husband sent up the tub. And I was just, like, super excited to get in it. Yeah. And once, we, once they had it set up, I got in and felt amazing. My only sadness was I kept saying, like, can we put more water in it? Because I really wanted it to cover my back. And um, <laughs> my husband was really worried because we live in a home, an old home, and it was built in, like, 1908. And he was worried that the tub would fall through the floor, which our midwife assured him she's never seen happen. Yeah. But I think they only wanted to put a certain amount of water in the tub. So uh, it was still really nice. Um, and I labored in there for probably an hour and a half. And then I started grunting a little bit and feeling some pressure. And I think around this point was when my midwife said, like, we should probably have um, your birth photographer come and I'll have my assistant midwife come. So they, they came on over around that time. And um, I started to feel like, I think it was pushy, but it was more so, oh, it felt good during a contraction to push down. Not that, like, I absolutely had to push. Yeah. Which my midwife caught on to and was like, okay, I want you to get out of the tub and go to the toilet and at least do, like, a few contractions on the toilet. And I want the last thing on your mind to be pushing. Like, I want you to do everything in your power to not push, basically. Okay. Which I'm so glad she coached me that way because I, like, had I had a um, free birth or an unassisted birth, I you know, I would have probably just pushed and who knows how that would have been. But, um, I think it is like super helpful to have someone with experience that you trust giving you some cues. Although she was very hands off during my labor Uh and my birth, which is what I wanted. I, I really appreciated that she gave me certain cues like that. So, um, I think I spent another like half hour to an hour between the toilet. Um, which was super intense. That's why they call it the dilation station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I still felt like I could try to not push during those contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was probably, like, the last little bit of dilation that I needed. So finally, I was like, can I get back in the tub? <laughs> um, and she was like, yes, you can. So we, I got back in the tub. And there was a point during this, I'm sure it was transition. I didn't have a lot of the 
telling signs like I didn't throw up, uh-huh. I didn't have like the hot cold sweats, but uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it was transition where I stopped liking liking the labor homes and was just really liking to vocalize and basically uh-huh. squeeze my husband really tight. Yeah. So like he couldn't go anywhere during contraction, so people were like bringing things to him, and it was I had no idea that was gonna happen. So yeah. um, got back in the tub. Uh, finally had a contraction where I was like, there's no way I cannot push during this. And so I told her, um, and she's like, okay, let me just check you to make sure you're complete. And then you can start pushing. So I floated my bottom up in the water and she was like, oh yeah, you're complete. The baby's right there. You're plus two station. Like this is go time. And I was just I, I knew I was, mm-hmm. and even, like, when we debriefed my birth after, she's like, I'm kind of mad at myself that I checked you, because that would have been so awesome if you went your whole, mm-hmm. like, labor and birth with no checks, I'm like, oh, I didn't care, I, it was such a dream birth for me that, that totally didn't matter, but yeah. I knew I was ready, like, there was no stopping it, it was definitely the fetal ejection reflex, so, um, of course, as soon as she said that, my contractions completely spaced out, and I, I did get a good, like, rest of the tub, which was really nice, mm-hmm. so I think I was complete around 11.50, somewhere okay. around there, um, and I started really bearing down with the contractions. I didn't, I was interested in the idea of breathing baby out, but it didn't feel like that was going to work for me. It really felt like I had to push. Uh-huh. But I did have this interesting pattern where I would have one contraction where I pushed through and then a contraction where I could just breathe through it. And oh, interesting. And I had never seen that. Like, yeah. I've witnessed and been a part of many, many births, and I had never seen that. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was really cool. I, I remember asking my midwife, like, is this okay? She's like, yeah, you're doing great. Your pushing is super effective. Yeah. Um, I looked at my birth team at one point and was like, this really feels like barfing out of your vagina. Like, it just is so, such an intense feeling. Yeah. I had heard a lot that pushing felt good compared to contractions. And I will say for me, like, there were, it wasn't terrible, but there definitely were some where it felt very, very intense, like more intense than contractions without pushing felt. And so that surprised yeah. me a little bit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just not what I expected. Mm-hmm. It wasn't total relief, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of on my knees in the tub and eventually got to a point. Oh, another cool thing was I. she told me to reach down and feel the baby's head. And I was like, I don't think I can do it. Like, I don't want to know where I'm at with this. I don't want to know how much further I have to go. And she's like, you know, a lot of moms tell me that they would, that they regret not feeling the baby's head. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I reached out and she's like, what do you feel? And I said, I felt a small crown, which is, you know, what we would call it in the birth world. And I'm so glad I did that. For yeah. people, birthing people listening, definitely try to do it because it is just something you'll never forget. Like touching a baby's head as you're birthing them is... Yeah super magical so I agree um did that kept pushing finally got to a place where I felt like I needed to put one of my knees up so I kind of had like one knee down and then the other knee up in the birth tub Mm -hmm. and it's just so telling and intuitive that like your body tells you how you need to birth I I never thought about it. it was just very natural 
the only disappointing thing was that we really wanted Joe to catch the baby, and in that position, it just, like, wasn't yeah. really going to happen, but that was fine, because I still needed to squeeze him anyways. So, <laughs> um, at a certain point, my midwife started putting some perineal pressure, which actually felt really good, and I'm mm. very glad she did that. I felt like I could have had my hand down there to control um, the fetal ejection, like, how fast he was coming out, but... It, I just appreciated her doing it. Like, it felt right. And yeah. when she, she had told me she was going to do it during one of our appointments, if it was okay with me. Uh-huh. And I didn't know how I would feel because I kind of imagined just having a total hands-off her. Uh-huh. But I'm really glad she did that. So um, it felt like one giant push that, like, his head and body and everything came out. I don't – I think I just blacked out the ring of fire. But I'm sure it happened. I just can't remember it. Um, and so immediately she like handed him to me through my legs and he was like pink and crying right away, which is oh. so cool. And Joe and I just had him and then really quickly, unfortunately, she noticed that he had a very short cord. Oh. So we had to like, she was like, okay, we're getting out of the tub. And I didn't even think, I just like, at later I was like, oh my God, he really popped right out of there. But I <laughs> grabbed him and we, um, got out of the tub into the bed, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't. I was in complete shock. I was not the crier. I thought I would cry. Uh-huh. I was just in complete shock. So <laughs> I just kept saying, I can't believe there was a baby in there over and over again. <laughs> like over and over. And Joe saying things like, oh my God. Um, but he was the most like magical, beautiful being I've ever seen in my life. And man, after watching so many babies being born to like, have your own experience is just completely surreal and definitely like the best moment of my life so um he was perfect right away I think I just look back at my records because um she sent them to me at the afros were nine and ten um and we actually so I birthed my placenta I think like four minutes after I had him and we um kept him attached to his placenta for 54 minutes according to my record Um, so finally cut the cord then which was great that was definitely something I wanted was to have like super delayed cord clamping Um, and I didn't tear much I had just like a little first degree that didn't need any repair and then she just put like a stitch in um, my labia which was way less I, I was prepared for pain and like stabbing and I did squeeze my sister's hand but it was not bad at all so that was really nice yeah um and then I had some minor bleeding which initially she thought maybe I would need some pitocin but um that stopped with some bundle massage and then about an hour after I got up to go to the bathroom as you do and stood over the toilet sat and all the things could not pee um, my birth photographer was like, Hey, I know this trick where you can put ice cubes under your feet and that helps people pee. Oh. Tried that trick, tried a million things, couldn't pee. So, um, laying back down, my midwife said like, maybe we'll just do a sits bath and you can just pee into the bath. But that didn't feel like it was going to happen for me for a very good reason. Because finally, I was just like, can you just straight cap me? Like, I, I'm not worried about it. I just want to be straight cast. So she did. And I had like a liter more than a liter in my bladder because I was taking hydration very seriously during yeah. my labor. So that was probably preventing my uterus from like fully contracting down and oh. bleeding from fully stopping, but everything was fine. And it just felt like once they got that urine out of me, it, 
it looked like I was still pregnant and then the belly went away. It was so everyone was like, Oh my god, that is crazy. Whoa. So that was interesting. <laughs> I'm very glad I got a straight cap though. I think it was I think my bladder was just too full and it couldn't like squeeze to pee. Oh. Um and yeah, then we let's see, she did the newborn exam. Uh-huh. It was perfect. He weighed six pounds, six ounces. Oh. Um, so I actually thought like when, when I was holding him, I'm like, oh my God, you're five pounds. Like you are so small, but he was a good weight. So I was happy about that. And then they, oh, he did end up having terminal meconia. So that just means that he pooped as he was coming out. So there was some like green poop all in the birth tub. So my sweet assistant midwife was like cleaning that out for us. And you know, they do an amazing job of just like making it look like nothing ever happened, basically. Yeah. Um, and they cooked food. Oh, my sister brought up the champagne, and my midwife was like, no, you need to eat first. So they made me some, like, eggs and cheese and crackers and stuff like that and um, had my coconut water. And then I think they ended up leaving around 4 a.m. and we FaceTimed my parents. We hadn't told anyone that we were – that I was in labor because I just didn't want any – potential energy and oh I should say that like I had very I my parents were so supportive my in-laws were very supportive of home birth which was amazing yeah so it wasn't like negative energy about the home birth I just Mm. didn't want to worry anyone and wanted to kind of go into labor land and not even think about it so um FaceTime both of our parents and they were just over the moon of course and my parents were flying in the next day it just happened that they had the flight set up that way oh I was yeah, so I was 39 weeks and two days when I had him. Or no, I was 39 and three because I had him at one twenty in the morning. Oh, so okay. I pushed for about an hour and a half. But okay. again, it was like every other contraction pushing. So it was actually, it didn't feel like a lot of work, I would say. And that, I mean, the other thing is that he was a small baby. He was, mm-hmm. in, the, he was in the ROA position. So he was just positioned really well. And I think I... I do think I got pretty lucky with that, but I, looking back, I just really feel like I manifested exactly what I needed for my birth. Yeah. And um, we had set up these like twinkle lights with little, you can attach pictures to them. And I had a picture of my best friend and I was really like focused on that. She was directing all of it. And she um, like absolutely gave me the perfect birth. So uh, yeah. It was amazing, and then we were a family of four without, and then I just thought it was my sister, and, um, oh, I should say, he laughed right away, breastfeeding was incredible, I, to this day, it is, like, my favorite thing in the world, he does not take a bottle, which is challenging, because I, I went back to work when, um, I was three months postpartum, okay. so luckily my husband has paternity leave, and he's been, like, shuttling him to oh. in the hospital and he's just part of my work life which I feel so fortunate that we have the option to do that so yeah. it's not a bottle but that's okay wow um, breastfeeding is amazing mm. and it's been really really special for us but um postpartum was actually really challenging for me I started to have some headaches and just very mm. vague symptoms um and really struggled with some postpartum insomnia um, not initially, he co-slept with us at first, and I, like I was saying, I'm not a good sleeper, it was weird that I slept well during pregnancy, I've always had trouble, so, um, right around six, seven weeks, um, I actually, I had to move him 
into the room next door because I just was not sleeping and it was yeah it wasn't good like he wasn't awake he was just making noises but it was waking me up yeah so that seemed good at first but then I was having trouble sleeping away from him so I like would just be up random hours of the night like I could sleep three hours and wake up and um just felt worried like felt like something was off sort of where's my baby that feeling mm-hmm. um and I had never really heard anyone talk about that I always heard the emphasis on oh your baby's sleeping through the night that's amazing mm-hmm. and my baby was actually not at six seven weeks but he ended up sleeping through the night pretty early and I was just awake and I did some googling and talked to a lot of moms and found out like oh yeah that's normal like that mm-hmm. happens and thank goodness it's gotten so much better but um I just say that to normalize that um it's not easy to rest when the baby's sleeping for all moms and it's also not necessarily easy to sleep even if your baby's sleeping through the night and that's normal and I did have to bring him back into bed with me like for a few weeks just so that I could sleep a little bit better but eventually he went back into his own room just because it was it ended up being the best for both of us. Yeah. Um, I wish I could co-sleep with him forever because I love it, but it, I just don't sleep well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, insom- the insomnia was really tough because I felt so happy and over the moon about him, but I was it was causing me to have some anxiety and mm-hmm. just, like, feeling like I couldn't function during the day. Yeah. So we got that sorted out. I think really when he was, like, three months is when it started to get better for me. Okay. And... Um, I'm just, he's the best baby ever. He's super happy and he gives me so much joy and yeah. Oh my god. story. <laughs> Your birth is, the whole thing just sounds so dreamy. I mean, even with all the kind of bumps in the road, the whole experience as a whole just sounds so dreamy and perfect, especially for your first birth experience it's just so amazing so so happy yeah. for you thank you I really it's like full circle for me because I did I didn't mention this but I listened to a lot of podcasts um birth stories when I was pregnant and I would like walk around and kind of try to manifest like yeah I'm going to tell my story yeah. eventually and it's, I would think about exactly what I wanted it yeah. to sound like and that it would be a home birth and yeah. so to talk to you about it it's just <laughs> surreal and I'm super thankful. Yeah. Well, I would do the same thing. I would listen when I was pregnant. I would listen. And, like, as I was hearing their birth story, I would start, like, telling my own, you know, like, saying the words, like, in my head or out loud or whatever, telling my birth story, like, how I envisioned it happening. And mine was very similar. Like, I I feel like I manifested it exactly how I wanted it to be. And I would do the same thing. So that's why I started the podcast because I was just like, I love birth stories. It did so much for me. And I want to help other women too. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. And I love that you have different, like it's not just home birth because mm-hmm. I do think it's really helpful. And I want to say that I, I'm i just a birth like junkie and supporter. And it's not, I what I really believe in my heart is that you have to birth where it's right for you Mm -hmm. and for some people that's the hospital yeah that's where you feel most comfortable that's amazing Mm -hmm. and I love my job because I try to give people the best possible hospital birth they can have with autonomy and consent and all the things but for me like my road was always home birth and I just had to figure it out over my pregnancy (laughs) um and I I can't wait to do it again but I I think my message is really just like follow your intuition don't settle and you know birth is the most transformative yeah 
amazing spiritual experience you may ever have in your, you know, your whole entire life. So just don't settle. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. I was just going to ask if you had any kind of words of wisdom and that was perfect. So (laughs) love that so much. Well, thank you so much, Missy, for coming on and sharing your incredible birth with us. Thank you, Teresa, for having me. It's been so fun. Thank you so much, Missy, for coming on and sharing your incredible birth story. Don't forget to follow at Birth Addict on Instagram and head to birthaddict.com to see some pictures of Missy's beautiful birth.